welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film movie mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all decide why Hugh has the better taste. Ah, see what I did there, Sam? It is episode 69, so he's going to sauce it up. Oh yeah, it's episode 69, Bantical. Wow. I'm Hugh Dempsey, and I'm joined as always, as you may have heard, by the man, the myth, the legend, Sam Blakely. Hello, Sam. You forgot the nuisance. Uh, hi, Hugh. <laughs> hi. Hi, Hugh. How are you? I'm sniggering like a... What did you say? Little, I'm sniggering like a We've got to be very careful about, of that word on this episode, Hugh. About us having uh, episode 69. Mm. That's a sex thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is a, is a sex thing. That's quite funny. Okay. It is. <laughs> it's a good thing we've got such a sexy film yeah yeah no this is a very sexless film to be fair <laughs> um, and yeah we probably we've probably chose the wrong film in terms of the theme of the episode I've never seen but... Emmanuel <laughs> maybe we should have come for that <laughs> would you like to watch Debbie Does Dallas <laughs> what about Deep Throat <laughs> we've both seen them all too many times <laughs> <laughs> confessions of a window cleaner <laughs> but uh, no so yeah that, I'm glad to hear you're alright good talk did I even I'm say fine yeah we're, I mean this is the gay banter bit we, we never have anything bit. to say no. when I say how's your week been you go, well, it's been fucking lockdown of a pandemic, Sam, so it's yeah. been the same as the last fucking week. <laughs> you know yeah. nothing's happened. It would be on the yeah. news if I'd done something significant. <laughs> yes, because I regularly appear on the news. <laughs> so yeah, nothing's yeah. happened. I'm George Alagaya. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, yeah, so I yeah. assume eventless week. Yeah, like you said. <laughs> yeah. I watched the film. It's uh, called Black Klansman. That was, yeah, that was I went good. to work... And I uh, slept and played FIFA and drank. And drank. And here I am. <laughs> and here we are. And yeah. here so, we are. So you've alluded to it already. This week's mm. film. The 2008. 18 even. Not 2008. <laughs> I was going to say. It'd be a different film. <laughs> no, so yeah, this year, this week's film. 2018 Spike Lee joint Black Klansman. Spelt with a K in the middle and the... There's so many Ks in the middle. There is a lot of Ks. Special K. There's always say. an extra one more than I think there's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, this film's about the Ku Klux Klan, Sam. Well, that was good. You, yeah, it's a bit of a tongue twister and you manage it more, well, doesn't it? Thank you. I'm, well, I'm not three beers deep, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know. But that's... You know, it's fair, yeah, like you said. <laughs> so, um, yes, would you like a quick... Synopsis, quick rundown of what this film's about. For I the think listener. that's fair to the list to the listener. You know, if we are spoilerific, if you haven't seen this film, don't listen to this unless you, you want to spoil want it for to. Yourself. And if you don't, if you're Joe, for example, hi Joe, um, hi Joe. Uh, see you tomorrow, Joe. Um, yeah, give us a rundown. What happens in this film? What you have already seen him by the time this comes out. D- times a weird one, isn't it? Because it is. So, but he'll nice hear seeing, this. You say it was nice seeing you yesterday, Joe. He's he's our Patreon, so he gets the early release. <laughs> I.e., he has the password for the drive. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose. So, hi, anyway, Joe. This is for you. Let's. Shall we, shall we move on? Shall let's we move on to the film. And so, this is a podcast going out to the general, <laughs> general yeah. listener instead of my brother. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Yeah. Hi, Class Twelve C. And, and away you go, Hugh. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Any more, just before I start? You know, any more? Oh, Lewis as well. Hi, Lewis. Oh, Lewis, obviously, Lewis. And Juicy. And Juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mum. <laughs> Give us a synopsis, Hugh. Yeah, so, 
Basically, long story short, you, the main character played by um, John David Washington of Tenet fame. Making his second appearance on our show. It is, in, in quite quick succession. He plays Ron Stallworth, a uh, undercover cop for the Colorado Springs PD. Mm. And he infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan over the phone, because he happens to ring up one day and decide to become a member. And <laughs> uh, he gets given... Basically, gets given an operation to infiltrate the clan. He works closely with Adam Driver's character, Flip Zimmerman. Uh, so, basically, John David Washington, he plays the voice of this character. And then Adam Driver is the um, the white uh, undercover agent mm. who interacts with them all. And, yeah, the film basically plays out some of it about them. The first half probably about, say, them joining the organisation, feeling it out, seeing who's in it. And then the second half of the film, or the last part of the film, talks about actually stopping them from doing malevolent things that uh, to black people that the Ku Klux Klan are wanting to do. Um, I would say that the film, pretty much, it's it's a, one of those fascinating you know, you can't believe it's true sort of stories, frankly. That's, yeah, uh, I'd, li- I'd like to get into a discussion about that later, about how true it is, because it's a real person who wrote it called Ron Stallworth, isn't it? What, yeah. what sort of era are we talking? Um, so the film's set in, I think it's like the early 70s, like it's, it's like 1970 or 1971. During the Vietnam War, isn't it? It is, during the Cirque. <laughs> and where and disco, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Remember, yeah, Charlie Don't Surf. Charlie, yeah, Charlie Don't Surf. Um, yes, so that's basically what happens. Um, it's you know, I'll, do you want, would you like to know why I like this film? Sam? Yeah, because um, we're, we're getting into a habit now of, of 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 not worrying too much about having current films and fashionable films in the moment, so much as just films I haven't seen that or you haven't seen that we like. So yeah, yeah why do you like this film, Hugh? Um, so you know what? It's uh, as it tells you at the very beginning of the film. Disjoint is based upon some for real, some for real shit. <laughs> it is a hilariously fascinating premise, isn't it? You just can't be not drawn in by a film that the idea of a black guy infiltrating the Klu Klux Klan and <laughs> stopping them from doing their nefarious work. And, you know, this is a... Um, I don't know, I was, I'm interested in what you think on this. Would you call it a dramedy or a black comedy? Not it's a comedy full of black people. <laughs> it's a black comedy. <laughs> I always thought me. that in like uh, growing up. Whenever someone says black comedy, I was like, oh yeah, Def Jam, Chris Rock, or <laughs> <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> Very black. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think it's a dramedy or a uh, or is it a, a black comedy? Um, probably the latter. But yeah, I think there's a lot of funny films that and not strictly comedies. And I mentioned last week with Sideways, that was last week, I think, um, where whenever somebody's asking me what film do you want to watch, I never find the words, but it's basically a comedy that's not an out-and-out comedy, like Sideways, which right. is a sort of dramedy. It's, yeah. a, it's a funny film, but if you took the laughs out, it'd still be a film of substance. Yeah. And I suppose maybe that's Black Sandsman. Yeah, okay, we'll go with, we'll call it a dramedy, yeah? Yeah, why not? Cause, but it is... It is very funny because it is dealing with some extremely heavy material at times, isn't it? You know, I think you 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 almost you get comfortable almost with the 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 words that they start using. You know, there's a lot of you know the n words thrown around a lot. It um, must be in the hundreds of times. 
Yeah, there's a lot of um, anti-Semitic language used in this film as well. Um, Which presumably, we, we haven't talked about this, presumably we're not going to say those words <laughs> on the show. No, not <laughs> I had no intention of it. Less than something you want to tell me. <laughs> I mean, this is this is male pattern baldness, not a skinhead. <laughs> Just to be very clear on that. Yeah. The reason I voted Brexit, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I like it because it deals with a heavy subject matter, but in an entertaining way. It has a compelling sort of... has a very compelling and fascinating premise doesn't it because it's 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 shining a light on this you know racism and bigotry and mocking it essentially for what it for what it is despite you know it's the danger of it it is kind of you know you, you can get a black man pretending to be you know a member of the Klu Klux Klan <laughs> and talking to the Grand Wizard himself on a one-to-one basis so yeah I kind of enjoyed that kind of sending up of these these idiots really and yeah was it cathartic for you in that sense oh yeah definitely i mean you'd watch it and go well these guys are idiots don't you (laughs) you know there's like there's one character isn't he was like you know he's he's practically simple by all the you know he so i was i was looking at the actor and i thought i know him from somewhere he plays he's in it's always sunny in philadelphia and he plays a high school kid who's a juggalo you know, like obsessed with insane. Oh yeah, the juggalo. I was like, where do I know that guy from? Oh yeah, he's a juggalo. And and when when Charlie tries to teach him a lesson in some like inspirational way, he still goes like, juggalo, bitch. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, yeah, he's a simpleton. <laughs> it's typecast. Let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if he is just playing a role, he's very good actually. Um, <laughs> I imagine he is. Um, Can you imagine? Yeah, a... <laughs> yeah that's yeah. just just who he is. With, with, yeah. In the office, like they said about. Um, uh, Big Keith they yeah. were like we're still not sure if that's really what he's like as a person or uh, the character he's playing Magic mm. he's very funny in that it's very he's good. very deadpan isn't he um, it's great ensemble cast again you know uh, John David Washington's the star but Adam Driver's very good in this um, you've got uh, Laura Harrier who plays Patrice Dumas or Dumas, however she pronounces it, I don't think. What, have, what have I seen her in? I'm sure I've seen her in something else. I'm not sure. Don't know. I'm going I'm to look at it while you're telling the rest okay. of the Okay, uh, you've got Tor for Grace in there, um, making amends for Venom. <laughs> <laughs> you've got Ryan Eagold, he plays the head of the chapter of the Colorado Springs KKK. Yeah. Who else have you got in there? You've got, so apparently you've got Jasper uh, Pakonin, I think is how you pronounce it. He plays Felix. And he's, which is a great story because he's actually Finnish and um, he did an audition, you know, pretending to be American and all that and wouldn't tell Spike Lee where he was from until he gave him the part. (laughs) You know, or he he said he he didn't give him, you know, he wouldn't um, let him know, like, where he was from unless he, like, let him do the, you know, audition for it. And then when he found out, he couldn't believe that he was from Finland, so he just gave him the role. (laughs) Um, You've got a brief appearance by... Uh, Alec Baldwin at the beginning, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and yeah, you've got uh, a great like cameo from well, not cameo, but there's just like a scene stealing sort of performance from a guy called uh, Harry Belafonte who plays Jerome Turner, who's the old gentleman who talks about the lynching. Shit, wait, Harry Belafonte is in. Okay, I believe you. Jump in the line, rock your body in time. Could be. <laughs> I'm not sure. You'd, Surely I'm, not. I'm not. Again, so I found out, uh, yeah, um, Laura Har- Harriet, she's uh, Spider-Man. She's in um, 
Homecoming. She's his love interest, the Vulture's daughter. Oh, right, okay. I was like, I definitely know that face, but obviously she's got big hair and she wears glass sunglasses a lot. And so she's covering a lot of her face a lot of time. And I'm like, so what? So yeah. she's like, how old must she be? Because <laughs> that was only a film that came out. She like was born in year. 1990. So yeah, she's she's pretty young. She's about well, well, she was 28. Actually, she way older than you'd think. 20, been 20, <laughs> so yeah, she's about 26 when she made Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. is the way. But she's about you know solid five or six years older than uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland's like what 23, 24 now. Yeah, so I think yeah he was about eighteen or something at the yeah. time. So but yeah, she was significantly older than him at the time. That's amazing. There was also, mm. I mean, you're not a, a fan of the Wire, but there was a great cameo from Isaiah Whitlock Jr. He was the guy in an early scene who said "she," she. Yeah. which is what Claire Davis says his character in the Wire. Nice. That nice. was one for the fans. It was like, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, great cameo. Quality. So yeah, so you've got all those great actors in this, and they all they all get their own little bit of. Uh, you know, time to shine, I would say, quite frankly. Um, what else do I like about it? It's it's a smart film. It, it's not. It doesn't dumb down. It treats the audience well. It's they're, they're 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 canny about what they do. It's just it's just a well. It's you know it's great script. It's just well written. Yeah, I can't I can't. Yeah, it's a really well made film. I think it's one of those that you're going to look back and go, oh, that's a really you know like ten fifteen years ago. Oh, Black Klansman, that was a really well made film, wasn't it? You really enjoyed that. I know it's Spike Lee, and, but I think you know his his output can be quite hit and miss sometimes. Personally, I think you're not the is, biggest fan of The Five Bloods, are you? I, it was okay. There's some good bits in it, but it's not a it's not a barnstormer. It's the um, is it Delroy Facey? I think he's called. He's really good in it. Or is it Delroy Lingo? I don't know. I think Delroy Fierce is a former football player. <laughs> Delroy Trotter, yeah. <laughs> Delroy Trotter, yeah. Um, he's really good Are there things you think I might not like about it? Um, I, 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 to be honest, I, I think you liked this film, if I had to if I had to place my cards on the table. Um, it's a little long. I think it's it could do with losing... Two hours 15, isn't it? Yeah. It could do with losing a good 15 minutes in the middle... Because not a lot, there's not a lot that happens really between him joining, and then when he gets inducted, it there's little bits and pieces. But I was sat myself today watching it, going, "What's you know, what is all this about? What are they?" Some, I mean, there is some cool scenes in that, you know, when he gets um, there's bits where you know when he's doing the, um, the he's about to do the lie detector test. And he throws the rock through the window, but yeah, there's been, you could probably cut it out 10, 15 minutes and you wouldn't lose anything. Um, perhaps you might think that it's a little preachy. You know, that might be like, well, because Spike Lee's a very, a very political filmmaker most of the time when he takes on subjects like this. And sometimes maybe the politics of what he's saying can get, you know, get in the way of the film, perhaps... I don't know if that's something you'd agree with. You know, there is a very overt political. We did talk about that with Boys in the, the Hood, isn't it? Where literally Lawrence Fishburne's character, what's it, uh, Furious Styles, yeah. essentially is preaching to the camera. We did talk about it there, actually. Yeah, and there's um, there's a speech, isn't there, at the beginning of this film by um, Kwame Touré. Kwame Touré, yeah. Touré, yeah, and he's very, very pre- literally preaching. <laughs> um, but then you do get. You know, I think something that I would have said about it's good. It's almost you see like 
the two tribes almost that are forming. You've got the white supremacists and the black power. And whilst you want to sympathise with the people of the, the black power movement because of the historical racism and injustices, you also see them as a... You do see them as like a tribe that's fighting for its own sort of side of things. And you see that almost in the um you know in the, the Ku Klux Klan you know it's like God bless white America <laughs> you know, weird, America weird. first let's make yeah. it great again it's weird things like that um mm. well, what else I think you might not like is the only thing that I found and um I remember thinking this when I watched it the first time round is that the tension never quite gets up to its the height that it could you know at the at the end of this film you've got essentially a car bombing um, and you're expecting, you know, the tension to be really cranked up, but it never really quite hits the heights that I think the film was maybe capable of producing. And I think that's maybe you could argue that is down to maybe the director not doing it to the best of his, the best of its ability to give it its, you know, its uh, just desserts. I would say. But yeah, so Sam, now that I've told you why I like it, why you might not like it, mm, the balanced review. Back, yeah, I think what we're going to do is we're going to have a wee break. And you're probably going to go for a wee because you know that's I'll pretty much what... another beer. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll find out what you think about it. Okay, see you after the break. Hello, and welcome back to Please Watch This. So now, what we're going to do is we're going to find out Sam's opinion. Sam, I think you might have some opinions about uh, I've, Black Platinum. I've made some notes. Would you like I've to got share some them with opinions us? on this film. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I thought it was about time. You know, it's just what I do. So I've got good things to say about it. I, it's, um, yeah, yeah <laughs> this being our second John David Washington <laughs> film, first, second film I've seen of his, and he is just wall to wall charisma. You know, he's such a likable leading man, and it's it's hard to know if it's because he reminds me so much of Denzel, his father, listener. If you didn't know that, um, you know, he's got so much. Yeah. His voice sounds very similar, and he's got a lot of the same cool and suave. I still think they're very yeah. different, though. I don't, I don't know. The fact that I, it was a surprise to me when I found out that he was Denzel's son, I was like, oh well, they're very different. They people. are, but he's 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 got a, he's got. I think they've got different accents. It's something I can't describe, but in his voice, you can hear. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah, you know, he's he's very cool. He's incredibly charismatic. Um, and he's got you know in in a good actor you sort of see an intelligence and he's got that um, yeah and a, and a you know a really good role for him as well because he's got he's got a lot to do basically and um, there's a film I haven't seen yet that's now on Netflix called Sorry to Bother You uh, which kind of deals with a similar thing at least as far as the clips that I've heard of it so have you seen Sorry to Bother You no but he's I mean the clips that I've seen of it I've not seen any any clips in the film is um, I think it's like Keith Stanfield he's working at a call centre and Danny Glover saying no no you've got to use a white man voice oh yeah I've seen the that thing yeah and, uh, that kind of reminded me when he's on the phone trying to be, trying to be a white man basically not not saying our uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's a really yeah. funny film and there's a lot of great lines and a lot of great set pieces and, 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 and that sort of thing it's, it's a very powerful film it's you know as liberal minded normal British white people we we that's qualified to talk about yeah. this as uh, you know a five year old we're not qualified yeah. from a personal experience but we are sympathetic people to this you know neither of us are likely to to post hashtag all lives matter 
and completely missed the point. You know, <laughs> neither was it that. Neither was it outright bigoted. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're sympathetic to the cause and all, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's a powerful film. It must be a powerful film to watch if you are, you know, disenfranchised and basically a black person, especially in America. Um, it's got a real sense of fun as well. It's it's got a real verve to it. It's just a it's a film. A <laughs> like you say, it's it's a long film, but you like spending time in its company because you know it's got its heart in the right place. You know that the it's in good hands. Adam Driver, you know, he's one of those actors I had a real blind spot for, and every performance of his I see, I'm just like, yeah, this is a proper commanding screen presence. Adam Driver is fantastic, and you know, he listed the cast, and they're all wonderful, and it's genuinely funny. Um, yeah, there, I think you're right with it. Doesn't quite quite reach the tension it needs in some of the moments but there are some scenes where there's genuine tension oh yeah I'm not saying that no. it's devoid of tension I was just kind of saying if it was if there was one criticism I would level at is that the tension doesn't quite hit the height exactly yeah I suppose because the actual Ron no sorry no the fake Ron the Adam Driver character he's so competent and so good at his job that you always feel safe when he's with the clan members, you always know he's going to say the right thing. Is he like a reassuring? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like you know, the the lie detector scene could have great tension. You know, they've got this weird mad dog guy who's got the gun based to his own temple, and he's accusing you of being what you're not. But you're right; it's kind of this is a, this is a positive in that Adam Driver's performance is so good and so commanding, and that character's so good because he's so competent and smart. But it does de- it does detract from the tension, and I wonder if maybe that's because it's based on real events and real people. So Ron Solworth wouldn't want to paint a really competent detective as somebody you have to worry about in that in that setting. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like you said, this is a real guy who did who went into like dangerous situations with the Ku Klux mm. Klan. You know, literally. I mean, there's a there's an illustrative point, isn't there, where um, he asks, why hasn't he got his piece on him? And they all pull out yeah, their guns. Yeah. And he's like, it's all right, I've got you. And he's got another gun on him. And he's like, why haven't you? And he's like, oh, it won't happen again. And it's like, you know, everyone there's got a gun. They could easily shoot you at like any yeah. minute. But, it, but it's not <laughs> you someone know, just, who you think is going to slip up. And even when the guy knows he's called Flip and he's somebody else, he kind of just evades mm. that. And I guess maybe that's, again, maybe the problem is that this film is based on true events. So they can't get poetic enough with that. And just like... Make him make him yeah. slip up. I mean, he says he says um, he, he doesn't get oh, the right place. Dallas doesn't. Yeah, and so that's a slip up, but he covers it well yeah. enough, and it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, so yeah, it doesn't have the tension that a, another film with that scene would have. But it is really good. There's some stirring scenes. There's some really powerful scenes. It's an important social document. Um, you know, Kwame Tur is um, Kwame. Uh, his his speech is very good and very moving, and the the. The direction in that sense of when you just, you know, by having a close up on Ron's face, you understand that he's, but he's buying into it, and he he's like, yeah, this is, this is what it should be, basically. Yeah. But that scene was the start was a was a signpost for I think the film's biggest flaw that you've already mentioned, which is that it is preachy, and really I don't mind the film being preachy, but what it does is it doesn't. It's not going to convert anybody, this film, to not being racist anymore. Because the racists are these caricature 
racists you know they they love saying the n-word they love being horrible to people they've got all the cliched things that these toxic mass mass community guys macho guys it's it's like people have written it without actually talking to anybody who has that belief system and it's not a belief system that i'm sympathetic towards but i think you do have to try to understand it we're in we're in an era where trump nearly got in for a second term or you know he got in for a term because there's a group of people who don't feel heard or understood and so for a long time people were saying well how on earth could anybody possibly vote for trump which is how i feel but people did so you have to understand it and i feel like i don't have the the visceral catharsis of this film because i don't have the personal experience of you know being discriminated against and and all that sort of stuff so this must be a joyous film for somebody who has been racially abused or discriminated against but i think i do think it has to do more i think it's ultimately quite a naive film it has to try to understand the other side more because then at least you could paint real people who we can hate for real reasons rather than just being the most caricatured version of that that area, you know. But then again, when you watch those like yeah. Jordan Klepper videos when he's talking to Trump supporters, you are like, actually, they they are really like this. <laughs> Did you ever see that video of the guy who was like, oh, since Trump got in, my business has gone up? And the interviewer goes, oh, what's your business? And he's like, oh, I work like in debt recovery, uh, debt, <laughs> debt collection. Yeah, like, debt recovery. That is like a perfect like, comedy do you sketch. Not see the, he's like, do you not see the connection yeah. between? What's happening politically and what's because, happening for you? But what's you know? most int- more, what's more interesting about those people is they're not there going like, yeah, we're voting for Trump because we hate N words and we we hate whatever all these kind of awful slurs slurs they have kind of hidden it and there's yeah I mean there's even scenes with uh, I forget his name is it Felix the, the kind of one of the main bad the mad dog guy yeah with him and his wife Felix but it's still a caricature portrayal of them. You know, it could be like an insight into what their life is like, but actually, you know, he's just like that in in pillow talk in pillow talk with his wife. She's this like subservient wife who believes in the the, the organization and, and wants to help out, but that's all they are, and it's a bit surface level. You've given me a comment. Yeah, it's very surface <laughs> yeah. level, and I'm not. And again, I'm not saying that this film should try to explain why people are racist. It's not the responsibility of of black filmmakers to do that. But it just makes it a caricature, naive thing, and and with the preachy thing, I think as a social document, it's important. And the Trump clips at the end are pretty damning, and obviously, like, yeah. But we know that Trump's bad. He said to the Proud Boys, "Stand back." <laughs> what is it? Stand down and stand by. Stand by. We know that. So, like, we know yeah. all that stuff. It's not telling us anything. We didn't know about all that. Um, no, it's, it's not, not going to convert anybody. It's very preachy but it must feel important and be cathartic to people who I think it's I think I think one good thing about the film is it's it's still relevant the you know the like it's a film that's about you know discrimination and the people who practice discrimination but it, it you know back in you know in the you know the dark days mm. in the 70s and whatever but then at the end like it says it shows you hey look this still happens, you know. This this woman died when she was at like a and protest. You sort of think of some, that. Somebody ran yeah, when you watch that montage the... at the end, you think, oh yeah, twenty twenty. There's like Black, Black Lives Matter and all that sort of stuff. And you go, oh no, actually, that was two years ago. That was like um, before the most tumultuous year of that of all that. But there are bits where it's yeah. like, it, 
because it doesn't really ring true and there's times where they basically like turn to camera <laughs> you know like um sergeant trap says Message. you know no one wants to be called a bigot anymore because archie bunker made that too uncool so the idea is under all these issues everyday americans can accept it support it until eventually one day he gets somebody in the white house that embodies it and they might as well like look at the camera and be like yeah. <laughs> you know who we're talking about <laughs> um, so it does kind of fall down in that sense but that could just be like like I said a few times you know that could just be I'm not responding to it as emotionally as I would if I'd actually gone through these troubles you know and it's um, like I said it's, it's just it's not going to convert anybody in that sense and I think fundamentally rather than calling the film preachy I would say that too often it lacks subtext you know it's not it's not right. illustrating its point. It's um, his girlfriend. Yeah, he's shouting, shouting. At you. His girlfriend is telling <laughs> him that he's got that two-ness and it kind of teaches that to the audience. And I, f- I felt the same way about Boys in the Hood in the sense that it was like, it was a bit, I mean, you mentioned that it treated its audience like they're intelligent. I thought it was actually over-explaining things and talking, not talking down, but explaining things that the audience shouldn't know, if that makes sense. Or at least that should be that should be expressed artistically rather than just this is my thesis film. It doesn't feel like the film of a fifty or sixty year old experienced filmmaker. It feels like the film of a a twenty something filmmaker who's they've they've made a film about issues. I mean, not not the whole way through. Like it's a it's a really <laughs> wonderful film and the great lines and all that. Just those aspects of it. I like, I like yeah. There was this, in Stephen Merchant's <laughs> "Hello, Ladies" stand-up, his whole like encore was him performing a play he wrote when he was a teenager about issue. I think it's called issues or something like that. And it's like a girl says, huh, "Yeah, do you want to be really cool? Then why don't you take drugs?" And then the other girl's like, "Well, I don't want to take drugs because I've heard they're bad." <laughs> yeah, well, you can't be friends with us if you don't take drugs. Issues fade to black, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like there's no subtext. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, Sam, I think swiftly. we're going to move swiftly on. Swiftly. Swiftly. Like a swift in the air. I mean, what do you think about that? Um, Before we move on to the next section, what do you think about that? You did mention it's too preachy, but am I going too far with that? Uh, yes, you big risk. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, Spike Lee's not known for his subtlety, I guess. (laughs) It's not his way of making films. Um, It's going to, you know, when he's making a film about sort of the the, the clan (laughs) and he's making film about black issues, then yeah, I don't think he's... But then I don't think he has to be that subtle, do you know what I mean? I don't think he's the subtlety... You know, there was people going around like um, Kwame Ture, you know, who were... Sort of saying X, Y, and Z. And, but the, you know. but a film is a different medium, isn't it? I'm not saying that you've got to show Felix being really nice to his dog or something. I'm just saying that it, they shouldn't be so one-dimensional. Yeah, I think there has been criticisms in the past of uh, Spike Lee's like characterization of white people. Yeah, um, which is fair enough. And... But you know, it's like Quentin Tarantino went through a lot of um, controversy because his characters in Django said the N word a lot. He's a white filmmaker writing that. Spike Lee seems to enjoy. Well, he didn't. He, he wasn't the main writer in this, but like the whoever's you know the the makers of this film seem to really like showing a lot of white people saying the n word over and over again and saying like horrible anti-Semitic slurs quite a lot. Yeah. Because that is true that those people talk like that, but 
they are also people with experiences and there's a reason why they're there's a reason why their way of life and so on is so seductive to people it's not that these people are born evil do you know what I mean? I'm not, again, yeah. I'm, I don't want, hates, I don't need a film that makes me sympathise with not, racists, but I want not, a film that not inherited. Yeah, that, that at least doesn't caricature them to the extent that it's no longer cathartic. So I think the biggest. Sorry. So sorry, can I just 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 to get it right? So you're basically trying to say that you want the audience to have sympathy with the the racists in this film. <laughs> I don't want that on record. <laughs> but I want them... No, you know, the, and I think the biggest thing for me was it was, it should have been so cathartic when Landers was arrested, but that whole scene did not ring true in the slightest. That not work for you that bit at the end. Not at all. I mean, I, I, I felt a real catharsis when he finally owned up to David Duke who he was, but I didn't feel any catharsis when Landers was done because I just thought this is just... This is... This is they thought, well, we need. We've only got forty-five seconds of screen time to deal with the Landers, you know, uh, <laughs> arc. How can we do it in the most implausible way, but the most cathartic? <laughs> way? And it it wasn't very cathartic. Similar, sorry, to go, to okay. one final thing. One final thing on the tension thing. When um, F- uh, Felix's wife, what's her name, Bonnie or something? Can't remember. I can't. Oh, uh, Connie. I'll tell you now. Connie. It is. I think it's Connie. You're right, Connie. Connie yeah. When she's putting the bomb in the letterbox, and then she decides she can't, so she puts it in the car instead. There's absolutely no tension because there's no point at which that could go off and hurt anybody. Because you're like, what's well, in the car? There's no one in the car anymore. They've gone in the house, and it's not like it's just not going to hurt anybody. The only people it's definitely going to hurt are the people driving past, which are the racists. So I don't know how they would do this, but there should have been a, a way in which she goes to put it in the letterbox. But we don't see that she can't fit it in the letterbox. We think it's in the letterbox right. when she and detonates. And when the car explodes, the car you're explodes. like, oh, she must have put it in the car. Yeah, cabin. and it would have to be done in an artful way where it's not like some ex machina thing of, or does ex machina thing of, oh, what, you know, it, how could it be in the car? But there's no tension, is there? Because you know it's not, you know it's not in the letterbox. They could have done it in a way where they say they, they focus more on maybe, um, uh, John David Washington on Ron, you know, they, they, you could focus on him and his problems with the police, um, and then you could cut to other characters. You could cut to Adam Driver trying to get there in time. Yeah, you know, you could have, or maybe they're going Connie. out to the car at the time instead of being a hundred meters away and not in danger. Yeah, and then like you know, you could have, you could show Connie in like different snip, like you could see like POV shots from like say John David Washington, and he just sees her going to the mailbox. Yes, and then. You see him walk past the, the car, yeah, exactly. but you don't. Because there's no Because you know, he's being jostled. He's yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. It just seems like an easy fix. I think though. Yeah, yeah. There is. It does lose a bit of tension, doesn't it? Like you said. Um, but then I suppose you could also argue maybe that it shows the the, the cowardice, the incompetency, the the lack of conviction that these people really have when it comes push comes mm. to shove. But again, if it's just you know, a, you, if it's just like anybody could just draw a cartoon of a big racist being punched over and over again, and I would go. I appreciate that, but I'm not feeling any catharsis because it doesn't ring true, you know? Um, And I think that fundamentally, I really enjoyed this film, but it could have been so much better. Okay, fair enough. That's right, Sam. We are going to move on. Sorry, five minutes later. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. Hey, you know, we're we're here to discuss these kind of things. This is what we do the podcast for, to get under the skin of films and to see see what we really think and uh, what what could... 
Yeah, what, do some balanced criticism. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. But we are going to go back to the format. Uh, so, what, what was your favourite scene in this film? I do think it was uh, the lie detector scene. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, when I rewatched it again today, it didn't go on for as long as I thought it, that scene did. But I just, yeah, I really liked it. But again, it was undercut by the fact that Flip is so competent that you sort of never feared for him. But it is the moment of hi- highest drama in the undercover role right how about you um i don't know if it's yeah it's high drama but i don't know if it's the highest bit of drama i'd say when when that guy finds out that he's an oh he's true, a cop, true yeah. i'd say that's probably a higher bit of drama because you know maybe flip could have figured out a way around the lie detector it's test. also very public and i thought it's just he's with an with an insane person with a gun in a basement <laughs> then they're locked in yeah yeah, yeah that's a fair point <laughs> um, for me the favourite scene is that whole where you've got the, the clan initiation but it's like told over it's shown over the story of about the lynching that, yeah um, that we mentioned earlier that Harry Belafonte's character that's the Furious Styles bit that's a man basically talking to camera about a story that's and it is important, yeah. but it becomes a social document rather than a film. Yeah, but it's just, for me, the reason it's such a good scene is because you it's almost because you see them dressed in these silly outfits, you hear them saying the N-word and, you know, being anti-Semitic and you hear all these horrible things that they think and say, but they... they they're, they're very even though like obviously they try and plant the bomb and they steal the C4 and plant the bomb but at the end of the day they, they seem quite toothless almost mm. like and then when you hear a story of someone actually being murdered because of their race and you know presumably the Ku Klux Klan were involved in lynching that poor man back in 19 was it 17 I think it is right, yeah, I think so um, yeah that's where you kind of go oh no this racism has consequences this way of thinking has consequences and you know the the actor there he's like saying oh the guy says he hid in the the uh, the attic of the shoe shine shop so he didn't get found himself yeah. he was scared for his life because they were just out for blood it's a powerful scene yeah you're right and and, and similar to the Kwame speech earlier that the it's quite a nice effect when it's focusing on people's faces and it is a powerful image yeah, um, but yeah, do you have any other favourite scenes that you liked in this film? Um, I suppose it ties in with some of my favourite lines. I, like I said before, the Landers arrest scene wasn't cathartic, but the bit where Ron reveals himself to David Duke on the phone is very cathartic. Uh, right at the end, yeah, you know that is really good. Uh, that was almost yeah. like a necessary bookend because we know that David Duke survives the film and goes on to be the horrible David Duke that we know today but it was nice to know that he got his comeuppance to his face in that sense indeed okay so I mean for me the other my like other favourite little scene I like the little scene when they're in the um, they're in the police station in the locker room and he's talking yeah, yeah that's, that occurred that to me as really well good, isn't it? just a bit of interaction and like finding out he's Jewish and training him yeah, to be talk- him and then later on he talks about being Jewish, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I wasn't raised Jewish. We d- I didn't do Jewish things. He didn't go to a bar mitzvah. I didn't have a bar mitzvah. Yeah. But then he's all of a sudden, it's like an identity he has that he's worried about. It reminded yeah, me of that Louis Theroux documentary anxiety. where he's talking to um, the sort of neo-Nazis in America and the guy says, you know, are you Jewish? 
And he says, you know what, I'd rather not answer that. And Louis Theroux is not Jewish, but he didn't want to just say, no, I'm not Jewish, so I'm fine to come into your house, because it felt like it shouldn't matter that if I'm Jewish or not, you know? And the guy thinks, well, yeah. you must be Jewish if you're not going to admit to... If you're not going to say, no, I'm not Jewish, you know? I just thought Louis Theroux was Jewish. Yeah, and I, and I don't know if he's maybe got a Jewish... Some Jewish heritage or something, but he's not Jewish. Um, maybe he's just got a big nose, Hugh, and you're a big anti-Semite. I, mean, I think that might be it. Um, oh, no, it's out there. <laughs> it's on tape. <laughs> or whatever no, the modern equivalent is. No. We're both racist. <laughs> but it sort of reminded me um, of that, you know, it was like... Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't have to, allow, you shouldn't have to openly deny it, basically. I thought... Well, he's an atheist, isn't he? He's quite yeah, he's an atheist as well. If he was be to be Jewish, he'd be what Jonathan Miller refers to as Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, did you have a favourite line? I did. Yeah, I did. I do think there's some good lines. Although when I look back at the specific lines, there's not many. There's not as many good specific lines as I remember. The one that I, I quite enjoyed on rewatching um, for the what you might call dramatic irony or poet, dramatic irony, I think you call it. Um, the, uh, Felix is talking to his friend who was in prison, and he says. Um, and Felix says, Ron Stallworth's a fucking Jew. And the guy says, could have been worse, could have been a... <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> could have been an Edward. And um, and I thought that... But I think the other one that really competes with that is when Ron's on the phone to David Duke and he says, are uh, you sure you didn't get his name? Because <laughs> David's been like, you know, that's how black people say are. Are. Uh, <laughs> are uh, that bit. Yeah, where he tries to... Where he says, oh, we talk differently. <laughs> they talk differently. He goes... Oh, and he's like, what does he say? He's like, are you finished? Are, are, you, are you finished with that? <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> Something like that. Are yeah. you going to fry that? And John David Washington, yeah. as as Ron, has got a similar-ish um, style to the protagonist in Tenet, where he's just completely in charge, very confident, swagger, Ironic glint in his eye. I think I think he's he's he could be one of the most exciting like up and coming actors out there. I think potentially yeah. for me, I really liked the line where um, when the clan are doing the thing at the end, uh, like having their in, their meeting, and um, you know David Duke's like America first, and like the clan are like America first, and then you just get the random waiter just going, <laughs> "Ain't this a bitch?" If I had known this was a clan meeting, I wouldn't have taken this motherfucking gig. God damn it. See, <laughs> just that like was really good. Real... I, I would rather he just went, ain't this a bitch? And then it cut, like, because <laughs> you know the joke, like, you understand why he's saying it. Yeah. <laughs> but it is funny. It's a really funny aside. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought it was that really was good. good. I really liked. And, like, obviously you've got... Um, Oh, I can't remember his name, but the guy from the wire who goes she, she, <laughs> he's crazy. He's, he's a, a bent politician. Um, in the what wire. about what about you? you yeah, I think those are the main ones, and I think and yeah, it's it's a very funny film and it's a very enjoyable film. Yeah, I actually took one of my favorite quotes from the film is that bit in the uh, in the locker room where he's like, you know, Flip saying to him, "For you, it's a crusade. For me, it's a job." And Ron's like, "You're Jewish. They hate you. Don't don't that piss you off? What are you acting? Why are you acting like you don't got skin in the mm, game?" Yeah, and he's like, "Just bring it home to it." And oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I actually got it. Are you gonna fry on this crispy fried chicken, <laughs> <all>, brother? <laughs> Terrible. Eh? <laughs> um, 
I want to add an extra thing into our uh, favourite line for feature. Scene. I want, yeah, I want to add in favourite shot of the film or like little, like oftentimes you'll get a really beautiful shot in a film mm. that lingers for a few seconds and then it moves on. Uh, you know, especially, you know, when we've done films like Blade Runner, that's got a lot of them in mm. it. Um, so I've got my favourite shot of the film is when they have Ron and um, Patrice and they're on, they've got their guns out when they hear the knock on the door at the end mm. and uh, they're like moving toward, they're like floating towards the camera oh, yeah. rather than walking because it's like, it gives you that sense of doom approach yeah, or yeah. like something horrible and then they look outside and you see the uh, the them burning the cross or as uh, what was it on South Park lowercase t <laughs> <laughs> yeah favourite shot I so mean I, so... I, I, I nothing strings to mind um, maybe I'll prepare that for next week yeah I think because yeah We've had a lot of films that have had a lot of good shots in them, but they're not like you think. Say something like uh, *Place Beyond the Pines* with the uh, mm. the going through. Like, what's it like? It's almost like it's not a drone shot, is it? Cause it's like a Some crane sort of shot crane through the like trees. Truck, yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of echoing uh, *Goodwill Hunting* um, shots. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like sightseers, for example, people you don't think of necessarily as this beautifully shot film necessarily, but there are some beautifully shot uh, scenes. Yeah, there's yeah bits in like the Dales or exactly, stuff like yeah. that. Isn't there? Yeah, so I mean, I you know, I, nothing springs to mind, but there there are some some like some stills that I think would be quite good from it, and it's quite a beautiful film. Um, as you know, one of my favorite films is Cemetery Junction, and that's set in the early seventies mm. in kind of disco scenes, and it is very like. Those colours and, and things, yeah. That's just some pretty pretty nifty disco shots. Yeah. So Sam, what we're going to do now, because we've come to the natural pause mm. in this section of the the, the podcast, uh, we're going to have a break, and when we come back, we're going to get the critics, we're going to get your rating, we're going to find out what uh, film we're going to be doing next week, and we're going to have a quiz. Keep them, keep them hooked. Us? Yeah, sounds fun. So, yeah, be right back. Hello and welcome back. So now what we're going to do is, well, I always give you the option. Would you like to give your rating first, Sam, or would you like to hear what the critics... It's weird that we always do that and then we always say the critics. Yeah, (laughs) we might as well just do the critics. Do you know what, I'll just do the critics first. Why not? Uh, would you like to know what uh, Mark Kermode of the uh, <laughs> of the Observer thought of this film? Who's Mark Kermode? He's uh, like Mark Kermode, but smaller hands, more toilet based, less flappy. <laughs> yeah, more mode, porcelain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a man made entirely of porcelain. You could shut it he's, anytime. He's dry wipe. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what he said was, Black Klansman slips seamlessly from borderline absurdist humour to all too real horror, conjuring an urgent blend of uh, socio-political period satire and contemporary wake-up call. Uh, he goes on to say that John David Washington gives a wonderful wry and nuanced central performance as Ron Stallworth, an Afro-sporting idealist who becomes the Jackie Robinson of the formerly all-white Colorado Springs police force. So he gave it four out of five stars. He's solid, solid Kermode. Yeah, rating. and we, we do respect him. He's right up there with Roger Ebert for us, isn't he? Yeah, he's probably my favourite 
I, I probably prefer him over Ebert, but that's just because I've been exposed to him more, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah. I didn't grow up watching, was it Siskel and Ebert at the movies? Mm. Uh, we we yeah, had a film, uh, um, whatever year it was, with uh, Barry Norman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Mark Kilmer is, is someone who's very socially conscious, isn't he? And he's a, he's a Guardian reader, and so this this film would very much appeal to him. I don't say that as somebody who isn't that. I just think... <laughs> you know your type. You there's recognize... a reason why you'd like it so much. Owen recognises Owen. Takes me to no one. And then I've got another one from uh, Jeffrey McNabb. Uh, not related to Andy, uh, in the Independent. <laughs> well, you suspect. Well, would he even know? <laughs> um, robes and hoods are not included with your membership fee when you join the Ku Klux Klan. You have to pay extra for those, bloody inflation. Uh, administration <laughs> isn't as efficient as you, you might hope. Unless you're able to call on the Grand Wizard personally to intervene on your behalf, you might have to wait some time for your membership card to arrive. And without it, you won't be able to participate in the cross burnings and racist rallies. Details like that are what make Spike Lee's Black Klansman so funny and so chilling. Lee takes a very uh, takes a very matter of fact approach to telling the true story of Detective Ron Stallworth, the young black police officer in Colorado Springs, who infiltrated the KKK in the late seventies. Yeah, he gave it again another four star review. So pretty broadly. People are pretty positive about it. I was this. enjoyed by the critics. I did accidentally see the Metacriticus, I think, 83%. The Metacritic. He sounds like he's just like one giant encompassing <laughs> the Metacritic. Like, like Voltron or something. <laughs> like a big marshmallow man. <laughs> yeah, just... What was it, the Michelin man? The Stay Plus Patient? I mean, they're then? pretty much the same person, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> big Squidgy Man. You know the one from yeah. Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So that was, yeah, people liked it. It's a good film. Positive critical response, yeah. It's a good, solid, well made film i think that's you know it's got a very relevant political socio you know political message at the heart of it that's still relevant and but it's funny it's engaging it does have tension at times maybe not as much as you'd like but yeah it's definitely you know you might it might feel like a bit of like a student film like you said with that spike lee but uh, i think at the same time it, it you can see it's an old hand as well because it's well well crafted i think it is it is really well made yeah. Um, right, so I'm going to ask you how many true white Americans out of ten would you give uh, black Klansmen? God bless white America. Uh, I I would say a seven. I think it's got so much going for it, but there were times when I just thought, yeah, this is a bit... There's no subtext here. So it had all the makings of a nine out of ten, but I think seven out of ten because of those feelings. And Debbie Dozy. I think Ooh. I would... Yeah, it's a 7 or 8, isn't it? It's it's not a 9 or a 10. It's not quite up there. I don't think yeah. it's... It's it's a very different film to his other film that deals with sort of race in America around this period in... Um, in Malcolm, Malcolm X. X, yeah. That's much which, yet, which I'm yet to see, so I am looking forward to that. Yeah. I don't know which is better. This feels like it's better made in terms of its just production value and things like that. And it doesn't suffer from sort of early 90s filmmaking issues. <laughs> but uh, but we'll see. We'll, con- we'll compare and contrast them because that's obviously a straight drama and a serious film where this has got a bit yeah. more of a comedic tinge to it. Um, rightio, Sam, would you like a quiz? I'd love it. I, I, I must warn you, I, I genuinely don't feel like I'm going to do very well in this quiz. Well, we'll find the, out. Just the, the, the key words and 
terms and things are just not standing out for me. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it I goes. I mean, you watch all these films with the bleeding subtitles on, so maybe you watch this one with the subtitles True. on. True. I, I very much did. It's on Netflix. Fantastic. Okay, so question one. Why didn't Ron go to Vietnam? Oh, good question. That's why it's mm. a quiz question. <laughs> yeah, smart. Smart. Well, I... Uh, the thing that sprung to mind was it was like a was it, a, was it basically a, a, a political stance? No, there's a very specific reason. Oh, I see. Um, very, it was a very specific thing at the time. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. Uh, God. Yeah. It's I don't know. Actually, quite a famous thing that stopped a lot of certain class of Americans going to Vietnam. Uh, was he in jail? <laughs> uh, what's the opposite of jail? For a young um, black American. The opposite of jail for a black American? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, I feel like this is a timeless riddle. Um, <laughs> nope. It's quite, it's quite an easy answer. I feel like you're floundering here, so I'm going to... Um, I was very tired when I started watching the film. I was drifting off a bit at the start, and that's why this came up. I love it so, when you concentrate. Tell like, me... It's like it's it's like one film you have to watch a week. Yeah. Busy life. Would you busy like busy lifestyle? Come on. Busy lifestyle. Fuck off. <laughs> it is because he went to college. <laughs> the opposite of prison for a black person in America is college. Pretty much is, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. Fair enough. At that time anyway. Yeah, so this was <laughs> very specific policy that they had during uh, the Vietnam War that uh, mm. if you had to, if you were going to college you didn't have to go into, you, didn't, you could be drafted to the uh, yeah. into the circ into the into the right. norm, yeah where it basically kept a load of like rich white people out of uh, <laughs> getting murderised by the Vietnam Vietnamese Viet no Viet he's become self-aware listener <laughs> yeah like Skynet <laughs> or David Hasselhoff <laughs> <laughs> don't say that I haven't got a good enough money. Uh, Rightio, so question two. Uh, what is Kawame Ture's original name or Turu? Uh, I don't know how you pronounce that. I don't know. You because don't know. This, he wanted to say... go by Kwame, so I immediately forgot his old one. I was like, I'm not going to dead name this guy. I'm a bit more work than you in those ways. <laughs> Get a set to change. <laughs> uh, can you give me the first letter? I might be. It's going to ring a bell. Is his, his first name? Nah, Tom. Tom, <laughs> Tom. yeah, S, lovely. Yeah. Uh, Stokely Carmichael. That's, yeah, Carmichael, I should have got. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so when Ron's working in the records room, what word do the police officers use when referring to uh, criminals? I think mm. we're black. It's the first time I've ever heard this, actually. It's toad, isn't it? Yeah, they call, they call them toads, don't they? they call uh, them toads. I've never heard that before. No, me not. You know, I had a similar experience when I, I used to work in, as you know, just after uni. Spent a few months working in factories in our racist little town. <laughs> and um, I arrived at a job. I, I got called about 45 minutes. About, it was like 6.45 a.m. And the job started at 6. And he said, um, can you come in for two weeks' work? The person who's coming is not working out. I got there. And uh, the guy, foreman or whatever, said... Yeah, it's uh, this this black guy who came in, didn't want to do it, very lazy. Typical Uncle Tom. And oh, I, you've never heard the Uncle Tom. I'd never heard it at the time, and I was like, okay, that sounds like it's probably a racist thing, but I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. And looked it up later, I was like, oh yeah, he's just been straight, no, flat out racist. That is super racist, just, yeah. Just Uncle Tom's cabin, isn't it? Post-industrial West Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, because you know, there's lots yeah, of... horrible. They had a lot of experience with uh, <laughs> South Southern slavery. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. horrible that. So yeah, yeah you've got you them right. Well done. High five. Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, question four. What languages does Ron say that he speaks? Uh, English and jive. Yeah, talk jive. <laughs> it just reminds me of that bit on airplane where the aerostasis is like, yeah, it's I speak okay, jive. I speak jive. <laughs> and then finally, question five is, where do the two mystery men, Steve and Jerry, work? Oh, yeah, they're in the uh, military. But specifically, where do they work? You know, the, oh, um, the one outside Bedford. Um, the military. <laughs> what military installation do they work at? Oh, wait, is it FBI? Or is it CIA? No, mean, oh, 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 right, okay. Um, the White House, the Pentagon, the Walter Reed Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> drunk sound, gentlemen, drunk sound. <laughs> here, here well to enjoy while it lasts. Uh, no, they work at NORAD. The, oh yeah, that rings about. I was never going to get that, but they were in the military. I got that right. Yeah, they that were, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'll give you. I'll they give work you, at the military. Yes, I'll give you PO box. I'll give you <laughs> mil zero point zero one percent. I will take of, it of a mark there for that one. So <laughs> you're right. You didn't do fantastically well this week. You got uh, two point zero zero one. Below your normal generous. high high standards. Yeah. So yeah, so there you go. Any final That's thoughts? It. That's Black Clansman. Would you recommend it? You know, it? I'd look forward to seeing it. I would recommend it, yeah. um, with the caveat that it is a social document rather than a film. Sometimes, <laughs> damn it, we're fame praise, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so Sam, what film are we going to do next week? Well, interestingly enough, we're going to do a film I've not yet seen, Hugh. Oh, we're going to get our beloved, the glorious, the man himself, Dakota Arsenault back of ContraZoom Pod. He was here for the Life Aquatic. He was. Aquatic, as they would say in the North America. Canada, uh, he's, he? He's, he's Canadian. And uh, to back, to, I, honestly, listen, if, if you're into film podcasts, you he, he, he can't go wrong with ContraZoom we're Pod. We're going to have to Google what host. the Canadian flyers or whatever they're called. Oh no, the uh, Montreal Canadiens <laughs> have been up to the, in the, the hockey. The, the Maple Leafs. Yeah, uh, have what have they been doing in the, in the hockey ball game? <laughs> yeah. uh, in the hockey puck um, Sports ball. So we're going to have Dakota on. We're all also going to star star i could use that word appropriately in his podcast Ooh. in the next few weeks talking about um a film that i've not seen all the way through citizen kane and uh mank uh, do you want to mention the film that we're going to do next week i, I ought to i ought to mention it it's uh, the first <laughs> uh, the first of the trilogy the before trilogy it's before sunrise she what do you know about before sunrise uh ethan hawke and a woman who kind of looks like uma thurman but isn't uma thurman and i Is can't remember the actress julia name. delphi pass I just know. <laughs> it's it's one of them names. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get onto before sunrise. Dakota is gonna be back by Sunset. overwhelming popular demand. Oh right, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Back by and yeah, we look forward to it. So yeah. I don't know much about it other than that. I think maybe parts of it is in France, but maybe I'm thinking of. Um, that Paris film with Chris Rock. <laughs> Maybe that's what Julia that, Delphi's in. Right, okay. <laughs> Midnight in Paris, you think of yeah. with Owen Wilson. <laughs> so I think this I think you've saw a very different film with Chris Rock. It's not a trilogy of films that are not so I have not seen it yet. Uh, so we're gonna get to go on for that. He's just cracked open uh, the trilogy Criterion Collection. So he does have a great episode, by the way. If you're interested in the history of the Criterion Collection or A twenty four or Neon Films, he's got one coming up. 
do honestly check out our good friend Dakota. He's a wonderful, wonderful podcaster. So, Hugh, Magic all that remains to be said is, um, you know, if they want to get in touch with us and say how much they love ContraZoom Pod, how could they do that? Well, what they need to do, Sam, as you know, is they need to email us. But what they need to do is join their local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan. Of course. Yeah. Now, this might be every, difficult. Every town has one. Yeah, this might be difficult, you know, if you're... Um, Black or Jewish. <laughs> well, I expect you to make the effort, at least. Because, you know, how else are you going to email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com? I mean, yeah. you know, tell us tell us what you think of uh, this film, why it's so good. <laughs> tell if us about your experience that, trying to join the Ku Klux Klan as me blatantly not in their demographic target audience. <laughs> so presumably the Ku Klux Klan are the only people with the uh, proper... Connections. The free will resource were to infiltrate so? them. Racism resource as well. <laughs> they would still have to give them an email address from which to email us. So I did. Yeah. If they, if you listened, d- I've already given I it out. Give it again. All right. Please watch this. Pod at gmail It's forgettable. That's the problem. Um, You're forgettable. If, if there isn't a Kukusan, you know, faculty organisation in your local area or if you are black or Jewish find <laughs> us on social media <laughs> if you're black and Jewish I mean, <laughs> ideal uh, or if you're Jewish um, then join us on social media at please watch pod that's Twitter sort of Instagram and sort of Facebook <laughs> sort of so, sort of basically so you get us on Twitter that's where Sam <laughs> does all the tweeting from yeah, that, I'm, I'm much more comfortable. Sam, it's I much more it's over time 30s. for us to feck off, don't you? It's, it was 10 minutes ago, so Hugh, <laughs> all that remains to be said is I love the audience. You yep. are, I'm you know, warming to them. You're warming to them yep. week by week. Episode 69, folks. Join us next yeah, week for episode 70. Bound chicken, etc. Yeah. Bye! Bye.